We are going to talk about the, the topic of sanctification. We began this last week. And if you look in your worship folder, there's a little thing that says Q&A. And this was one of the questions and answers that we had received last week, and we're, we created a uh, sermon series from it. And the question was, what is sanctification, and when are we completely sanctified? Well, that's a great question to ask. And the, because the word sanctification isn't something that we normally use, is it? It's not something that we typically toss around during the, during the week. And we may hear about it in church. We may read it in the Bible. And we still may not have a real good working uh, understanding of what it is and how it occurs in the life of a believer. And last week we looked at the definition of sanctification. Because the word sanctification, it's a, it's, it's a very encompassing words. There's a lot of definition to it. There's a lot of depth, a lot of different aspects to it. And as we talked about, we can show you the definitions we looked at last week. The most basic definition of the word sanctification means to restore to the, st- to the state of proper functioning. That's the most basic definition. It means to be set apart for a particular use. It means to be called out or to be separate. It to- means to dedicate something as sacred, to be declared or to be made holy, to be purified and set free from sin and to make productive of or conducive to spiritual blessing. I would like to be more conducive to spiritual blessing. How about you? Amen? How many people could use a little more spiritual blessing in your life? Okay. So last week we talked about God's intentions in regards to sanctification. God is intent on restoring us back to our original design. Have you ever had a computer that you let your kids get on and they go to the wrong places and they download a bunch of junk, and the next thing you know, your computer's not working right, and it's got all sorts of viruses. Anybody ever, that ever, ever happened to anybody except me? Okay, you don't let your kids on your computer? And your computer can get so jacked up that you take it to the shop and they go, what we got to do is we just got to do a clean reinstall. You know what I'm talking about? We got to reset this thing back to factory defaults. And this is what happens sometimes in our life is we find ourselves going to places, doing things, that we end up messing up our lives so bad. And God says, you know, my intent on sanctifying you is I want to restore you back to the original design. I want to restore you back to how I created your life to operate so that regardless of what you've done to your life, regardless of what you've created, regardless of how you messed it up, God is still in the business of restoring us back to our original design. That's a good thing. Amen? We also talked about that God is intent on differentiating us from the rest of the world. You know, if we understand part of the definition of sanctification is that we are going to be set apart for a different purpose, that we are a different people. We are a particular people. We have got to be comfortable with being different than the rest of the world. Amen? God is setting us apart for a different purpose. And also, he's intent on transforming us into his likeness. Part of the definition means to be made holy, to be made free from sin. The Bible says to be holy because he is holy. God wants to sanctify us into his image. Now, how does this happen? Well, it doesn't happen with uh, 9.99 spray that you buy on the QVC channel, okay? It happens, but God says that I can totally sanctify you. And that was the question. How does sanctification happen, and when will we ever be completely sanctified? Well, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 
1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is a scripture that we looked at last week. And I'm going to read from the New King James. It says these words. Read along with me. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This small scripture here gives us a great insight on this thing called sanctification. Paul says, may God sanctify you completely throughout your spirit and your soul and your body. Now, secular humanism will tell you that we are just a really smart animal, right? Right? We got opposable thumbs. We just got this really developed, evolved brain. We're just a really smart animal. Well, that's nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, this shows that we're more than just an animal with a really intelligent brain. As a matter of fact, I want us to understand that when God created, you know, do you know that God is still the one that created the heavens and the earth? This is why evolution is probably one of the biggest lies that has come down to the pike because it strikes at the truth of God's word right at the root, right at the first verse. Because my Bible says, in the beginning, what? God did what? In the beginning, God created. Simple as that. If I can believe that, then I don't have a problem believing anything else the word of God says. Amen? But secular humanism tells us that man is just a very evolved, very intelligent animal. The Word of God says something completely different. As a matter of fact, what I want us to understand is that the Word of God says that we are different than everything else that is created. Did you know you're something special? Did you know that? I want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say, you're something special. (laughs) They're going, yeah, you're something special too. What I need us to understand is when God made mankind, mankind was his crowning achievement of creation. Think about your accomplishments in your life, and you think about your kids. Aren't aren't your kids just the most precious thing to you? Aren't they? You know, you have these kids, and they look just like you. You got to make something out of nothing, and it looks just like you. Like Bill Cosby said, you better behave or I'll take you out and make another one that looks just like you. Right? Well, think about God within the Godhead, in the Trinity, where he said, you know, it said that God has created the heavens and the earth and he's, everything was good, but it says that he spoke to himself within the Trinity and said, hey, I got let's make man in our image. It actually says, let us make mankind in our image image. And so he created man in the image of God. And just as God is three in one in the Godhead, there is this thing called the Trinity. I'm not going to get into the doctrine of the Trinity today, but we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? We, in the same way that we are created in in his image as a triunion being with three very distinctive parts that Paul talks about. He says that you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. You know, we're not just an animal with a really expanded brain, with a really big brain. 
It says that we are created in God's image, and just as God is a triunion being, a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we are created with a spirit, a soul, and a body. As a matter of fact, these are separate, different words in the original Greek. In the original Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. We get the word, it actually means breath. We get the word uh, pneumonia from it. And if you remember when God created Adam, it says he formed him, and what did he do? (laughs) Breathed into him, and he became a living being. He became alive, and not only alive, but alive to God. And the spirit of a person, the spirit of a mankind, is the part that relates to God. And it is the deepest definition of our identity. What you are spiritually determines who you are in regards to the deepest sense of your identity. Now, the word soul is a word suke, which we get the word psyche or psychology from. And it means the mind, the will, and the emotions. What I think, what I feel, what I want. I think I feel I want. I think I feel I want. I think, I think Joyce Myers talked about that. Some people live by what I think, what I feel, and what I want. And she says, we're not supposed to live by what I think, what I feel, or what I want. We're supposed to live by something else other than that, according to God's original design for us. But the soul, suke, the mind, the will, and the emotions, what I think, what I want. And then we have this thing called a body. And I got plenty of that. I'm going back to the gym tomorrow, and someday I hope I won't have to put on my belt with a boomerang. Okay, it's like, so. Run, Justin. <laughs> That's our new bell programmer. So, uh, so we have this thing called the body, and it's the word called soma, and it literally means that. It means this body. It means this earth suit that we transport the spiritual being that we are, the soul and the spirit, it's what we transport around in life. And it's here where we begin to understand what I call the three tenses of sanctification. We have the impartation of sanctification to our spirit, past tense. That when we're born again, we have been sanctified completely. Then we have the process of sanctification that happens in our soul, the present tense, that we are being sanctified, and then we have the promise of sanctification in the body in the future tense that one day we will have a perfected body. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. One day we will have a perfected body, and oh, Lord, what a glorious day that will be. Amen. But as we're talking about total sanctification, I want you to follow me on this. The total sanctification of us completely being sanctified begins with God and it begins with the work in our spirit. And I want to talk today about the sanctification of the spirit. Were you able to get those graphics in there, Emma? Okay, if you go to the next slide. The next slide after that. There we go. Although every person is born a triune being, we all have a spirit, we all have a soul, we all have a body. The unfortunate part about it is that when we arrive on this drama of earth, when we are born into the human existence, we show up on the planet earth spiritually dead to God. Many people don't realize that, but because of the original fall of sin, Adam messed everything up for us. 
with original sin. And it's the spiritual inheritance that we have received from Adam. Everybody say, thank you, Adam, for messing everything up for me. It's the spiritual DNA and the spiritual inheritance that we have received from Adam. So when we show up here on earth, we show up with a body, a soul, a spirit, but we're spiritually dead to the only source of spiritual life, which is God. It's been severed. That lifeline, that connection to God has been severed by original sin. Well, what's a person to do? How's he supposed to learn how to live in this crazy, mixed-up world? Well, that's exactly what happens, is that we have no knowledge of God. We have no connection with God when we show up. So what we do is we have all this impulse coming into our beings from our experiences, from our, from our senses, from our sight, from our smell, from our taste, from our touch, all these things, and some of them are good and some of them are bad, and we have all this impulse that comes into us and these experiences, and these things make up how I think and how I feel and what I decide to do, and that's what the Bible calls your flesh. How many people have heard the word flesh in the Bible? It's a word called sarks. It means your carnal the way, it's basically the way you learn to survive in a fallen world before you had any connection to God. And we all have it. Babies have it. It's like I said, you know, when a baby's sitting there in the crib at night and it's cold and it's wet and it's hungry, it does not go, oh, mom had a hard day. I'm just going to let her sleep. Does it? No. I need to survive here. This doesn't feel good. So I'm going to I'm going to get what I want because I think I need it. It feels bad. I, I think I feel I want. And this is how we operate apart from God. But for the believer, for the one that has been born again, we are not called to live according to the flesh, are we? But according to the spirit. But we're in a predicament because we show up in this human existence spiritually dead to God. So what's a person to do? Well, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. It says, for as in Adam, all die. All show up here spiritually dead. So in Christ, all will be made alive to God. All will be made alive to God. It is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that has made the connection back to God, has made the lifeline back to God, that gives us that connection back to God, where now we have what is called in the original Greek, the Zoe, the spiritual life that Adam lost. The Zoe has now been restored to us through Jesus Christ and his work in the cross. Everybody that is in Christ is now spiritually alive to God. How many people would rather be spiritually alive to God than spiritually dead to God? Well, then, then you need to have Christ be your life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no spirit. There is no Zoe. There is no spiritual life apart from that living relationship with Jesus Christ. Many people don't realize that we show up here on this earth dead to God. They don't realize it. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2. Look what it says here in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. It says, for as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sin. And it goes on to say, gratifying 
the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. You lived in this fallen world by your flesh. That's the only thing that you knew. And it says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath or objects of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were still dead in our transgressions. We show up here dead to God, and through Christ we now have spiritual life restored. We are made alive. This is the only way you are made alive to God is through Jesus Christ. A lot of people think they're spiritual, and they may be spiritual, but they're spiritually dead if Christ has not made them alive to God. Colossians 2 says it this way. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, still living according to how you learned how to get through life just by your own, own means, God made you alive with Christ. He made you alive with Christ, and it says that he forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. It says that he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So we show up on this earth, we show up spiritually dead to God. God in his mercy has created us for communion with him. God has created us to have life with him, to, to have connection with him. And so in our, in, our, in, our, in our situation, he sends his son to reestablish the connection of mankind. And now if you are in Christ, you now have this connection between God and your spirit. Your spirit that was dead to God is now made alive to God in Jesus Christ. That's good news, amen? Is that good news? But what I want us to take note of here today, because we ask the question, when are we totally sanctified? More than just being made spiritually alive through Christ, our spirit has not only been made alive to God through Christ, but your spirit has also been perfected and totally sanctified through Christ. Not your soul, not your body yet. But if you have been born again, your spirit has been perfected and totally sanctified through Christ Jesus. You may look at yourself and say, I don't have any perfect parts in me. If you have been born again, your spirit is as perfected as it is ever going to be. Is that news to somebody here today? Is that good news to anybody? Because if we want to have, be completely sanctified, if we want to live what God says sanctification is and what I can have in my life and that I can be restored back to what God's intent, I can live holy, I can be free from sin, I, I'm going to be different, I'm going to be changed, I'm going to be transformed. We have to understand that it begins with him perfecting your spirit. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't know about that, Pastor Rick. I don't know about I've never heard anybody tell me that in Christ we have a perfected spirit. Well, there's a scripture in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.17. If you want to look in your Bibles, it says this, the one who joins himself 
with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Other translation says, if you have united yourself with Christ, you are one spirit. I want you to get the idea out of, the Bible's very clear that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us when we become born again. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. But it's not just my spirit and the Holy Spirit hanging out together and like playing checkers. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if you've united yourself with Christ, that you are now one spirit with Christ. I don't know how you can get any closer than one. Anybody? How do you get closer? I've also given the analogy, you need to think of a spiritual smoothie. That your spirit and the Holy Spirit now is more than just communing. and It is now one spirit. And if your spirit had not been perfected by a work of God, the Holy Spirit could not come and live in you. Before his death and his resurrection, Jesus talked to his disciples about this. And he says, I'm, I'm going to die. And my blood is, my, my sacrifice will cleanse you. And I'm going to resurrect. And he tells, he, he tells his disciples, I'm going to leave. And he says, it's a good thing that I'm going to leave. Because I'm, you're going to, I'm going to ask my father. And he's going to send somebody else in my place. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. He's going to send somebody else. He's going to send another advocate. And it's this person called the Holy Spirit. How many people have read about that? Jesus telling his disciples this. He goes, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to send him in my place to help you, and he's going to be with you forever. And he refers to him as the Spirit of truth, and Jesus says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But listen to what he says to his disciples. He says, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be where? He's going to be in you. And once again, the Holy Spirit could not come and live in us and commune with us and cohabitate with us and commingle with our spirit if our spirit has not yet first been perfected and totally sanctified through the sanctifying sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Do you realize if you're born again that the third part of the Trinity lives in you spiritually as one spirit with you? Is that incredible? That the, that the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity that was part of creation now dwells and lives and is at one with the spirits of those that have been born again. I know some of you look at me like a cow looking at a new gate right now. You've got to get this in your heart. The very presence of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you and is at one with your spirit because your spirit through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross has been perfected forever. Romans 8, 9, and 10 says this, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. 
If they don't have the Spirit of God living, he says, they don't belong to Christ. Paul says this. And it says, but if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, it's saying even if your body is still not sanctified, even if your body is still in a fallen state, it will be sanctified one day. But it says, even if the body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness, because we have been made righteous by Christ, because our spirit has been perfected and sanctified. And it says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you have to talk yourself into being saved, you may need to take a look at your, if you really have a relationship with Christ. I don't have to convince myself that I'm born again because I recognize the presence of the Spirit, His communication, and His communion with my Spirit. Anybody bear witness to that? You know, a lot of people want to say I'm a Christian just because they want to declare you're a Christian. The Bible says that you're not born again until the Spirit bears witness to that. Amen? Well, I said a prayer sometime when I was a kid and I walked an aisle and I, I did good deeds and I've tried to be a good person. And you know what? This is a supernatural work of God. This is a supernatural work of God. And when you receive, when God imparts life to you, when the light comes on and you realize who he is and the condition that you are and the need and you say, I want the life that he's offering me, the Holy Spirit is willing to come in and his, the blood of Christ sanctifies our spirit and he dwells in you and he bears witness to the miracle of birth, the miracle of rebirth that has happened in your spirit. This is why the Bible says you must be born again, born from above, born again spiritually. And the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are his. And his continued sanctifying work in our lives into our souls and what the actions that we do in our body is the evidence of the Spirit's presence and perfection in our spirit. This is why Hebrews 10 says this, 10.14, By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Is this this scripture coming to a greater understanding now? He's perfected the spirit. By one sacrifice, he has perfected us spiritually, even while the rest of us is still being perfected and being made holy. Is anybody here perfect in your soul yet? Your mind, your will, you got all your mind and your will and emotions all subject to God, right? Right? All the actions in the body, got perfect health, never going to die, never going to get sick. It all begins in the sanctification of the Spirit. And because of that new, perfected, sanctified Spirit within us, there comes all sorts of new possibilities. The lifeline to God is now complete. And now that we have spiritual life, there, there, there's all sorts of new possibilities for us. There's all sorts of new benefits, even before anything changes on the outside. Do you know something different has happened on the inside when someone is born again? Because they've been spiritually perfected. First thing is you get a new purity, a new source of purity. You are imputed with Christ's righteousness. You are imparted sanctification. 
Romans 4, 3 and 10, it says, For Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And it goes on in verse 10 to say, But under what circumstances was it credited? Was it before he was circumcised, or was it after? And it said, No. He was counted righteous before the circumcision happened. Now, you may be saying, well, what does circumcision have to do? Circumcision was a cutting away of the outward flesh. Spiritually speaking, before your flesh that we talked about is done away with because of what has happened to us spiritually through Christ's work, his sacrifice, his blood being applied to our hearts, we have, been the, we have received the righteousness of, of Christ. We have a new purity. God's righteousness has been credited to our account. Even before anything changes on the outside. I don't know how many people here today, how many people we got born, you know you're born again. You know, without a doubt, you're born again. How many people, did you change immediately when that happened? Did you just all said, man, everything, yeah, I'm just living the perfect life. Just spray that spray all over me, right? That's all I got to do. Perfect Christian overnight. No. But even while God is still working on me, even while God is still working on you, if you've been born again by trusting him for your life, it says that righteousness, purity, has been credited to your account. He became sin so that we could be the righteousness of Christ. And we now, before anything even begins to change in our flesh, before anything that changes on the outside, our spirit is perfected by his sacrifice and the righteousness of Christ and his purity is credited to our spiritual account. This is why it's so hard to say I'm the righteousness of God because we know that we still do unrighteous things, isn't it? Isn't that true? It's so hard to say that. But if I've been born again, spiritually speaking, I have the perfection of Christ in my spirit. That has been charged to my spiritual account. And that's what God, that's a good thing. Amen? We also have a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man is is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The word, original word for creation means something that wasn't here before. Apart from Christ, what were we to God? Huh? For what? Okay, you were dead. And it says, now in Christ you've been made alive. To God. What was there was not, what you are in Christ wasn't even there before. Do we understand that? You were dead before. But now we are alive. And it says, for if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That we have a new identity. We are no longer defined about our past and our problems and everything else. When you're born again, you're made spiritually alive to God, your spirit is perfected, and your relationship with Christ is what identifies the deepest sense of your identity. We also have a new appetite. 2 Peter 1.4, we read this briefly, part of this last week. It says that God has given us very great and precious promises. One of the promises is his righteousness, his Holy Spirit. He's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The Bible tells us that when you are born again, you now become a participant or a partaker of a divine nature. God gives you a new nature. Now, there's a lot of people that will teach you have two natures. No, not if you're born again. 
Now, if you're spiritually alive to God, you now have a new nature. You are a participant of a divine nature. And yes, the flesh is still there, and we will still struggle with the flesh. But when you are born again, your deepest and potentially strongest desire is for God. When I became born again, the same sin that used to thrill me now had a bitter taste in my mouth. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? It's like that used to be what I thought was good. But now, even though I've participated in it, because something has happened brand new in me, because I have a new nature, because of this perfection that's happened in my spirit, this doesn't taste so good anymore. And even though we may still struggle with the flesh, in our spirit, the strongest desire is for God and to know him and to enjoy him and to obey him and to reveal him. That is the potentially strongest appetite that you have in your life if you've been born again because of the perspective, the perfected spirit and the new nature. And when a Christian sins, he's just not giving in to his greatest appetite. This is why I've often said, you know, we, <laughs> we get on this treadmill, we think about being a better Christian, and we, we think, well, I've got to try not to sin and try to do good harder. You know, I've got I to put more effort into doing the right thing and make more effort to stop doing the wrong thing. No, we've just got to nourish that appetite that is in us already. Christ says, follow me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Focus on following me. Don't focus about what you're not supposed to do. Focus on what it means to follow me and begin to see and taste the goodness of that new relationship. And becoming like Christ has little to do with moral effort and everything to do with identifying and nourishing and freely indulging this new appetite for holiness that comes from a perfected spirit in us. Your spirit desires to do what's holy. Did you know that? Your spirit does. So if, the, if there's something in the way, get it, get it out of the way. If it's, nourish that appetite to do the good thing. Nourish that appetite. And we have a new power living in us. I love this passage of Scripture. Romans 8, 11 says these words. And if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you your moral, will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The God that we worship lives in us. And this is the beauty of that purity and perfection that Christ has imparted to our spirit, that when we are born again, our spirit is forever perfected. If it was not, the Holy Spirit could not dwell in us but the Holy Spirit has moved in and our hearts become his home and the power is within us to live out that new life. Have you ever seen a seed? If you think about what's in that seed, everything necessary for that seed to become a mighty fruit-bearing tree of some sort is already in that seed. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? Everything that's necessary for this thing to bloom and grow and produce fruit is already in that seed. And if you have the presence 
of the Almighty God living in you everything that is necessary to be able to create the transformation in your life that God desires, to be able to create change in you that he promises that you, it's already in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living in us. And it says we'll bring life to our mortal bodies. Everything that we need has been made available through Christ. Do you believe that? Everything that, is a, that we need for life and godliness has been made available through Christ, through him sanctifying our spirits. So when are we going to be totally sanctified? If you've been born again, your spirit's not ever going to be any more sanctified than it is right now. The unfortunate part about it, if you haven't been born again, it says you're still dead to God. And my biggest burden in my heart is that people would not confuse going to church with being born again. That people would not confuse good works with being born again. That people would not confuse being a good person with being born again. Because Christ is still offering life. He still offers life. Even the people that may be in church for their whole life. If you only knew how many people I talked to who said, I went to church for 30 years, and then I realized I was not born again. And I'd rather, I'd rather be embarrassed than to be lost. I'd rather be embarrassed and say, I don't know what I was thinking. But Christ wants to reestablish spiritual life. He wants to make you alive. He wants to come and he wants to dwell in you. But he's got to perfect that spirit. He's able to do it because of the sacrifice. But you've got to receive the offer of life that he's offering. Let me tell you, if you really, if you don't have that life and you really want that life, the Holy Spirit is ready to come in like a flood. And you know what? You don't have to worry about the outside. He says, I'll make your spirit so perfect and so clean that I'll come and I'll be one with you. And if you let me, I'll, I'll begin to change it. Instead of you living life by all the impulse that is coming from at you from a fallen world and you've learned how to survive in this cruel, harsh world and all this input and you've learned how to find pleasure and how to avoid pain. and you've, you, As opposed to that, there will be something living in you that begins to go out from you and affect the other areas of your being. Because I, I remember the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And that's what our bow our heads. Um, I've been praying for this sermon today because... I know there's people that have confused going to church with being born again. I know there's people here today that they are, they are, there's somebody here today I know that is longing to have new life in Christ. Can you bring the lights down, please? And I just ask that everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes right now with no looking around, but so people can have this moment between them and God.
If there's anyone here today that you want to experience the life that Christ has for you, I'm talking about incredible, not only just getting into heaven, I'm talking about a transformed person. Our Lord is able to do it, but it starts. He's got to perfect your spirit so that his presence can come and live in you and dwell in you. If his spirit is living in you, he will bear witness to your spirit. But if you don't have that assurance, if it's something, well, I'm a Christian, yeah, of course I'm saved. If you've got to convince yourself of that, maybe maybe there's something that's, that's not there in your relationship. Maybe there's not a relationship with Christ. And, and I want to see every person in this room I want to see every person in this room in heaven one day so we can all worship together. There's not one person that I want to see. Really go, I, I didn't take the opportunity, Pastor. So if there's anyone here today, I'd ask that everybody, eyes bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed. If there's someone here today that you don't know for certain that you have received eternal life from Christ and you said, I'm, I'm ready to let go of this life that I got from Adam and I'm ready to receive the life that Christ is offering me today and let him begin to work. If that is you, I'm just asking that you would slip your hand up and I'll have someone come pray with you right now. Is there anyone here today? hands that are going up. Is there anyone here today that you're not certain of the life that you have? That you're not certain that you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Because he will forgive you of all your sins. He'll cancel the debt that has separated you from God. It's been nailed to the cross. He'll take his perfection and he'll put it to your account. And when God looks at you on your spirit, he'll see the righteousness of Christ. Is there anyone else today that wants to receive Christ as their Savior? Father, we know that truth is received by your spirit. You called him the spirit of truth. And Father God, we know, we know that we cannot understand your truth unless you're revealing it to us. And so for everyone here, dear Lord, everyone that is here today that is born again, I pray that by your spirit that lives in them, that you would reveal the truth of this teaching to them today. Dear Lord, I am not the teacher. I am just the, the messenger boy. I'm just delivering this. And Father God, I pray that they would see the grace that has been bestowed upon them. Maybe people that are struggling with addictions or pornography or, or, or anger or bitterness or unforgiveness, dear Lord, that 
that they want to be changed, but dear Lord, they've got to let them come to that realization, the accepting of that truth that they have been made perfect in their spirit. And there is now something so right and so righteous and so pure that lives in it that it wants to transcend out to the other areas of their life. And Father God, help us to nurture that. Help us to nurture that 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 purity that now, that appetite, that that new that new identity that now lives in us, Father God. Help us to 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 nurture that that it may be the power of the Spirit may be released into how we think and how we feel and what we do in everyday life, Father God. As opposed to the world be crashing in and pushing in on us, that the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, dear Lord, would come shining out of our, our being, every part of our being. And dear Father, through that, that we would be sanctified completely throughout our spirit, throughout our soul, and throughout our bodies. And that we would be held blameless at the day that you return. Because we know that you will return, Father God. And we know that it says that you are coming for a bride without spot and without wrinkle and that is waiting for you with anticipation and longing, Father God. And so, dear Lord, let us do everything in our power to nurture that righteousness and that perfection that you have placed in us. And Father, let us understand the grace in which we now stand that while we were dead in our sins, you made us alive and righteous in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that. Father, I pray for that truth in everyone's life here, that it would grow and bloom and blossom and bear fruit. So, Father, reveal this truth to our hearts. And let us lay down our lives and let you have your way that we may be sanctified through and through spirit, soul, and body. Father God, I bless these people that have been here today. I speak a blessing over them, that you would bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them, dear Lord. Continue to pour out your grace. Be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon them, dear Lord. Smile down upon your children and give them peace.